0: all right welcome to the max effort kitchen podcast we got a great episode for you with the athlete and the chef so if you can't take the heat get out the goddamn kitchen kitchen i'm your host chef matt i am joined by the one the only uh the people's master mr cornell george how you doing tonight
1: i'm doing good how are you
0: i'm doing well what'd you drink what what did you just open right there
1: i opened a severed lime liquid death
0: i I think that's the best way
1: i really like it um the cherry one is real good if but i don't like it as often and the mango is good as well. I tried some of the new ones. There's a, a melon one, and I was really hoping it was like honeydew yeah. or cantaloupe or something, and it's watermelon. And I'm like, it's also, it's a bigger size, so you get half the cans for the same cost.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: but I think the, the lime, is it's amazing.
0: Nah, I like it. I like it a lot. I'm drinking some <laughs> old man juice over here. It's like turmeric chai tea. <laughs> I had a rough weekend. I, I mean I was helping Eric move and like one of the last things we moved today were it was a bunny cage with the bunny in it. <laughs> so I'm like moving it down and I'm the one in the back and I just slipped and fell and it was just yeah, it was fun. So I'm like, eh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get some turmeric in me for a little uh deflammatory <laughs> stuff, some old man stuff.
1: I got I got my sisters a, a rabbit <clears throat> once for Christmas because theirs died. And I had no idea how much it was going to cost. And I I called up, I was like 16, called up. I'm thinking, like, it's a pet. Yeah. It's it's probably hundreds of dollars. Yeah. And I called this feed store. I'm like, do you have bunny rabbits? Like, yeah. How much are they? $4 each. I'm like, $4? Like, yeah, they multiply like rabbits. I'm like,
0: okay. (laughs) (laughs) $4. Oh, give me 10 of them. So so the, the guy told you they multiply. Like they're, they're just, they're having, yeah,
1: yeah, he's like, they multiply like rabbits. We're just trying to get rid of them. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's
1: hilarious.
0: Oh man. So, um, first of all, great feedback on our last show. I think this is going to be a fun one. Um, we touched on something towards the end of our show that I think that we could uh, really talk about, which is you know, we were talking about like getting out there and finding out how much you were eating and all that stuff. And, and you had brought up like, you know, you had brought it up within a a friend group and talking about like the cost effectiveness of it. And like, you know, somebody might have called you out and said like, you eat, you know, yeah, you eat that way because you can afford it. But um, I think personally, and I mean, this is what I do all day, which is food costing. But personally, from my standpoint, like you don't have to have a lot of money to eat um, well in order to be, you know, to, uh, fuel your, your weightlifting. So talk about like some things that you do, like, cause I know you have some really cool things and, and, and just the way you approach it's really neat.
1: Sure. So my mindset is unless I just feel like, I mean, okay, here, here's how here's between you and me. Don't tell my, my family. <laughs> If if I go to the grocery store and it's like one o'clock in the afternoon and I know that they're at work and at school yeah. and I see a really nice looking ribeye, I'm gonna buy it and I'm gonna make it right there.
0: Nice. Like,
1: I'm not saying I don't I don't I'm not saying I don't care how much it costs, but if it's if it's under twenty bucks a pound and I haven't had one in a while, I'll go for it and I'll grab it and I'll quick eat it before they get home.
0: Nice, nice.
1: Other other than that, I for the most part buy my beef that is going to be under $10 a pound. Uh, Most of the time it's about six 99 to seven 99. They've always got something. So you just can't have that mindset of like, I want to have a ribeye today. It's like, Hey, I might go buy stew meat and make like a crock pot stew and put it over rice or something like that. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not a nutritionist or anything like that. So I don't know if there's better nutrition in, certain cuts of meat than other cuts of meat or if it's just certain things are more tender than others but um you can normally get like a chopped up stew beef for like 3.99 a pound
0: well it, and it and and really yeah, right here it, it depends so what you're talking about right there was like the tenderness it really depends on what the marbling of the fat right so if you get like okay. a, a a top round And you see very little like marbling through it. All that means is you just need to like slow cook it in a stew. And that's what that kind of meat's for. That's why a ribeye is so glorious, is because it has this fat like running through it, which if you think about it, when you're heating it up, that fat runs through it and it melts inside the meat and goes through the meat, which is creating this like just tender, juicy, like doesn't have to cook very long type thing. And that's, that's the beautiful part about that. And so what you're saying is basically like utilize what you have. I know that my grocery store, like they always have like day, it's like day old marinated meat and they'll sell it for like 50% off. And it's like chicken breast rubbing a bunch of rubs or like, or, you know, turkey breast or like, you know, they'll have some, some beef that were, was sitting in a marinade that can't, you know, they can't really let it go for much longer.
1: Sure. No, I, today we made, I went to Costco today and I normally like to just Instacart Costco like, through their app, not the Instacart app. And my video. wife is always like, no, it, it costs more money. It's, it, it's, we're always, it, everything costs more money. And I said, no, per item costs more money. Yes. But I'm not grabbing stuff going through. And today, <laughs> I mean, our normal, our normal weekly Costco Instacart is about 200 bucks with tips. Perfect. So maybe we're getting one hundred and sixty dollars worth of food. Yeah. Today we walked through and spent four hundred and sixty. <laughs> <It's> the <laughs> but granted, Costco. Effect. I got a lot of good stuff. Right. I mean, of course, I'm also at that age where I got some pants. I was like, these pants look pretty <laughs> comfortable, and they're fifteen dollars. But I got a uh, skirt steak. It was eight ninety nine a pound. Right. I'd never seen it there before. It yep. was uh, marinated in just salt, water, and pepper. Nice. And I ended up cutting that into three strips because it was almost three feet long. And then I marinated a third of it in the Japanese barbecue sauce. And then the other two pe- two chunks I just left as they were because I wanted to try those. And uh, we made that for dinner, and it was it was awesome. The we have more than we only ate about half. Nice. So I also made some rice, and they're going to make some um, like karaoke bowls for lunch tomorrow. And then we also chopped up some potatoes and baked those with butter and garlic and, um, and then some like seasoned broccoli that we.
0: Uh, awesome. Broiled. Well, and you bring up, uh, you bring up a really good point. Um, and that's like the idea of like full, full utilization, right? <clears throat> so it's like, if you don't eat the meat, you know, you got, you got meals down the week so that, you know, bodybuilders know that as food prepping, right? We know that is like, cool. I got protein tomorrow for breakfast or lunch. Um, but like one of the, I, I've always felt that one of the biggest, um, hacks is to buy the full chicken, even if it's a rotisserie chicken, rotisserie chicken is even bigger hack because it's already cooked perfectly for you. And all you got to do is shred it and put it in there. But on top of that, you can use the bones to make any type of like stock for a, a soup or for, you know, a sauce or something like that. And so you're getting, for lack of better words, you're getting your money's worth out of it. And those, you, you can buy a full chicken breast raw or full chicken raw for like four bucks around here. I don't know if it's the same down there, but like $4. It's pretty close. Yeah, I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting like three meals out of that. And that that's right there. That's efficiency. Um, And you can do so many things with it. Like, it's just like, that was one of the things we learned in culinary school, like going through it is like, how to fully utilize the chicken and like what all the pieces were and, and deboning it and all that stuff. And, and trust me, you don't need to go to school to do that. You just look on YouTube because really <laughs> everything you need is on YouTube.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So no, I, oh, uh, like what we we're saying with the, the marinade stuff is I, I always walk through the, the steak aisle and I always look at, uh, my grocery store around here—they have a bunch of marinated steaks, Santa, Santa, Mar, Santa Maria steak, and a couple other like uh, peppered peppercorn or something. And nice. those are always going to be on sale, ninety-nine percent of the time for between seven ninety-nine and eight ninety-nine. Yeah. Uh, every once in a while, they're not. But when they're not, you can look over and get the teriyaki chicken that's all marinated, and it'll be down to like two ninety-nine a pound.
0: Exactly.
1: And whenever it's on sale. I mean, I have I have an extra fridge with an extra freezer, so I if it's on sale, I'm going to buy five or six of them because if it's down, sometimes it's five ninety nine a pound. Mm-hmm. I don't have any problem dropping hundred bucks on it and knowing that I'm good. I'm good for the potentially the month.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's uh, the thing is like you know buy for the future like. You know, we all have freezers at home. Let's utilize those things. You know, if you see something on sale, pick up another one and then throw it in your freezer for the next week. It's like, to me, it's just like, <laughs> and I know that like I don't I don't expect everybody to go, to go to the grocery store thinking like I do. But when I go there, I'm like I'm thinking, what can I, what am I buying that's going to benefit me next week? You know, um, and then that way I'm yeah. I'm constantly got this like rotation of. Uh, food and I'm like oh, I'm, I don't never need to worry about like you know making food or making having enough food before I get out there and lift now you were talking about shopping at Costco. Um, do you guys have like a uh, cash and carry or a restaurant depot down there?
1: There's something that's here, but I haven't been there yet. Yeah. But we do have a Costco business center.
0: I like that place. So
1: I, I really love the business center.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cash and carry is a lot like the business center. Okay. And
1: you can go in there and I don't want to go buy like a half a lamb, but you can buy (laughs) a half a lamb hanging. Heck yeah. It looks like Rocky boomy when you're going in
0: there. Well, and that's the thing is like a lot of those places they're selling meats, um, pretty much at wholesale and they're selling everything at wholesale. You can go buy, you know how like you go into seven 11 and you see like the carton or the big boxes and you just grab one Snickers or whatever, but you're going into yep. this place, you're buying the whole box of Snickers or, you know, you can buy a whole case of lettuce or, or all the, the pre-made uh, you know, pot stickers, like a box of a hundred of them, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to get um, a better price that way. And, and something we like to talk about in the restaurant is like, you know, you can, you're always going to have a better cost when you buy in bulk, you know, this and it probably transfers in every industry. Right. But like you, I could waste a quarter of the case and I would still get a better price. than if I went out to like Safeway and bought a bag of 10 of them. Right. So like, think about buying in bulk. That's, that's one thing that we do a lot is we like to buy in bulk because, and plan out our meals. Like, Okay, we're gonna do you know chicken three times this week, and then you know two times next week. So like, we didn't buy enough chicken for that. You buy it in bulk, you freeze some of it. Done.
1: Yeah. Speaking of buying in bulk and candy bars. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes.
1: So we're not really touching too much on this right now, but when when I am cutting weight, when I have cut weight in the past, I have one of the secrets that I have is. I always have ice cream almost every single day.
0: Nice.
1: And but if you if you're scooping it, you can't you don't really want to go out there and weigh it and do all the calorie counting and doing all that kind of stuff. Right. So I would get like the Twix ice cream bars. Those are my favorite. Mm-hmm. And at the Costco business center, you can get a 24 pack for $19. And it doesn't take <laughs> up that much room in your fridge. That's and
0: you awesome. know exactly how many calories it is. I love it. And I need to go get another bottle. Yeah, right? You're like, <laughs> and that reminds me right there. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, talk about that because like I have, I mean, I think we probably align pretty well with this, but like when it comes to cutting weight, I think we might've touched on this. I don't think anybody should cut weight. I think you should find out where you sit evenly on just an everyday normal eating, right? you know, just how you eat as a normal person and how you lift and then find your weight class from there. I I just think cutting weight, I guess, unless you're, you're going for like to try to, I don't know, win a quad or be, be in the Olympics and really taking it seriously, full-time athlete style. Like why are we cutting weight? You know?
1: Yeah. I a hundred percent believe that the way the weight class you should be in is the one you're struggling to eat into. Um, I've talked about this on another podcast I used to be on. And, and my I've I haven't cut weight in years. Yeah. I remember standing on a scale five minutes before weighing, butt naked, holding a taco, weighing one oh two point one, putting the taco down, weighing one, 102.1, and i'm like i can't eat that and it was (laughs) 4 p.m i'm weighing in to to lift at six and i hadn't eaten all day right and the what i was telling some people a couple of years ago is it's like we're trying to perform as good as we can and we want to be machines it's like it's kind of like we're race cars but if you're going to go out and race, are you going to put in junk gas or are you going to put in, like, race fuel and want to be fueled, topped off and ready to go? Exactly. And if you're cutting weight and not eating all day and not eating for the week before, uh, it, you're not going to perform as well.
0: No. I, and I think I learned that firsthand. Like, I was I, – I, man, when I started in this, in this uh, sport, I was like, I'm going to be a 96. You know, I'm going to be 96. I was also coming off of like five years of CrossFit. So I was probably a, a good 96. But then I started lifting and eating. And I noticed after my second meet, like I was sitting at like 98 to 100 kilos. And I'm like, okay, um, I got to cut. I got to cut big time. And, and, you know, my coach at the time was like, you got to cut like now. And so the last time I cut for 96, I actually ended up, I went out um i i was three for, 3 for 3 on the snatch and then uh pulled a hammy on my uh first attempt at the clean and jerk and i think about the the lead up to that and how much food i didn't eat and how much i didn't hydrate and the stress my body was under the entire like 3 days leading up to that and it's just not worth it like if i would have known more i would have just like been like i'm going to lift at what i'm lifting or at, at whatever weight 'cause Cause like, you know, third meat ever, probably not that big of a deal. Right. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yep. Um, and so like to me, uh, I just think that, w- you know, we should normalize this idea of like, let's stop cutting because, um, you know, I guess they do say, you know, more weight pushes more weight. Right. I mean, in a way. Yeah. So you want to lift mass big weights. then mass. Yeah. Mass moves fat. Yes, exactly. I just – I think that that's a – personally, I don't think I'll ever cut weight ever again. Just don't think. Sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, I don't remember. I think we talked about this. Again, I I talked about it on another show that I used to be on. Uh, Leading into Worlds, I did – well, I did something different than I – I've done it in the past once before and it worked really well. About five months before, I was – living around one Oh seven and I'm going to get down to one Oh four. And all's I was doing is saying like, I'm not going to be pushing real hard right now because this is my maintenance time. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to get hurt early and then not be able to to train and get ready for it. Yeah. So I cut back on some of the calories really wasn't too hard. Um, cleaned up a little bit of the stuff that I was eating, uh, got down to about 104 105 in about a month and a half and then I just lived there and then six weeks before worlds I got to have a, a pretty good calorie increase Ooh. and that was when I ticked up my training quite a bit and I really needed it uh, so that I wouldn't call that cutting no. but it was manipulating my weight for my benefit
0: well and that's the thing I've always kind of wondered about like if there were people out there that, you know, way, way in advance, were taking that in consideration. Cause you just never hear, like, for me, I never heard about it until like two weeks before. Like, where's your weight at? Oh, uh, you know, I'm like two kilos <laughs> over. Okay. We need to cut that. Okay. <laughs> like, um, but, but that's a good idea. Like, and that's, that's something that like I think more people need to hear is like six weeks two, you know, whatever, however many months out, like, start thinking about your weight then because who doesn't want to eat up to the class that they're lifting? Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, I,
1: that week that week in Orlando, yeah. I was eating like a madman.
0: <laughs> like, That's awesome.
1: Honestly, at one point, I, I jumped on the scale and I was 111. And yeah. I was like, uh-oh. Then I went to bed, got up the next morning, took care of some business, got on the scale, 107.
0: Nice. And I
1: think I weighed in right around 107, but I was eating so much food that week just trying to be so prepared. And I got, I did pull a muscle eight days before. Right. So I was on this kind of weird training of like being very careful, but also pushing, care, pushing carefully. Yeah. Is the best way to say it. Yeah. Um, and I think that it was because I was able to take all those additional calories in that my body was recovering as fast as it did.
0: Nice. You know, um, I think we don't, uh, realize how pretty, pretty much how awesome our bodies are and how they work. And you know, we're pretty good as humans as, as min- to manipulate our body, you know, whatever direction you want to take with that, take it. But like one of the, uh, most, I'm going to say two, there's two things that we can do that will have the highest rate of manipulation, which is sleep and food. And it doesn't matter how much food you're getting in. If you're not getting your, you know, your full sleep it still isn't, you're still not going to be able to perform right. Because like you're, if you're not sleeping properly, um, you know, your brain's not going to actually know to, um, it's going to be looking for more energy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like it's going to be looking on how to process more energy and that's going to make you eat way more. Now I sent you something, Uh, maybe I sent it to the group, but I sent it and and it it was, um, I heard it on the Huberman lab and he was talking about how he never eats um, before he trains. And he was talking about that based off of brain function. So did you get a chance to listen to that?
1: I don't when did you send it? Cause I don't think I either listened to it like right when it yeah. got sent or yeah. I haven't listened to it yet. It
0: was last week. It was like beginning of last week. So, and, and <laughs> we got quite a I'm few I'm pretty messages. sure I listened
1: to it, but I don't remember what
0: it was. Well, he was talking, <laughs> he was talking about the fact that anytime you are going to perform in any manner, whether it's like a business meeting, uh, whether it's, you know, on a podcast, what, uh, you know, going getting on the platform, going on a run, anything that like, the way your brain works is you, well, you, you put food in your body and it sends signals to your brain like, okay, we need to use this, um, for, you know, for, for energy is the best way to say it for energy. Now there's also, he was talking about, there's these three, um, hormones in your body, uh, dopamine, and then, uh, oh man, I, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of it. But basically what happens is your body produces enough energy with the release of these specific hormones to last you for like 50 hours, right? So he's like, if I, ha- if I did everything I needed to do, like I slept, I hit the ice bath in the morning, um, I had a good breakfast, I don't need to necessarily eat before I train because my body's not going to metabolize it right away. Like, your body's not going to yeah. use that right away. And it was an interesting thought because I've always heard different. And I know that, like, there's been times where I'm, I'm coming home from work and I'm like, I didn't eat enough. I eat a banana and I'm, I'm feeling all right and I get out there and I go. Um, but one thing I did notice I'm doing, and he talked about this, is, like, is I'm clouding my brain's judgment with caffeine. So I, I not only did I eat a banana, okay. I crushed 400 milligrams of caffeine, and it's like, okay, that's what's going to fuel me, not the body. It's interesting. He did. He got some interesting stuff for sure.
1: Yeah. So I'm kind of it's I'm being refreshed a little bit, and also some stuff from the past that I've been told from old coaches. And um, one of my first coaches, he was telling us he was trying to, like most coaches they want you to cut weight because they, right. they're they trying to get you to qualify for a national competition back when they were hard to qualify for, <laughs> I mean, before the series. yeah. <laughs> um, they're trying to get you to qualify for like AO Finals, Nationals, and uh, every coach looks at what's the easiest way to get there. It's like, oh, well, if you lose weight, you only have to lift this. Um, so one of the he he made us read this thing, and it was basically showing us that back forever ago, with the like the hunter and gatherer gatherers, is they didn't generally go out to hunt until they were getting pretty low on food, right? And they were generally hungry. Yep. And then them being somewhat hungry, I'm not saying this was his rule or reason for getting us to cut. And I have. I don't know. We can discuss the the whatever you want to call it the the parts where they pass over and back forth back and forth, whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so he said that if you're cutting weight, and you're becoming hungry. Your body's going to become more sharp, and your mind's going to be more yes. ready to fight. Yep. And at that fight or flight mode, mm-hmm. because you are hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I do like to eat before competition. I like to be prepared, yeah. but I'm not out there like eating a ton of food. And if I, when I, when I was at worlds, I had a small breakfast, but I still got to have breakfast. Yeah, I weighed in at 12. I had some food. I didn't have like, I didn't go out and get a double cheeseburger or something like that. <laughs> uh, it was like I was taking food in because I knew I actually knew I more needed to have salt and sugar in my system so that my muscles wouldn't, uh, spaz up and starts hurting. Yep. Um, so that's some of the stuff that he talked about back then.
0: Well, that's, and that, I like that uh, you brought that up with the, with the salt and sugar because that's a big thing. Have you ever, okay. So, um, I used to, now I used to hear about this. Uh, I used to run Spartan races and I'd hear about it a lot where people would drink, uh, salt water before the race. Have you ever heard anybody do that? Like, does that happen?
1: So I think it's, Ursula Garza, she talked about that every weightlifter should have, just from the uh, fast food place, yeah. packs of salt and packs of sugar. And take two of each before you're snatching and then two of each before you're clean and jerk, and then you're not going to get the spasms in your quads. Interesting. Generally, it seems like every all the problems happen in the quads.
0: Okay. okay
1: and I- every meat that I've cut weight on... I start having the the problems with my quads just totally locking up between statically
0: interesting. I have it with my calves and I used to have it when I ran and I was running. I think my, one of my first races I ran, um, I, I was like, seriously, I was Frankenstein running by the half uh, halfway point because my calves were just seizing up. And this dude that's basically already lapped me once comes back on his second lap and he goes, you got cramps? And I goes, yeah. And he goes, hands me these, like a handful of those little mustard packets. Rub these on your <laughs> legs. And so I rub it on my legs. And next thing you know, the cramps just go away. Um, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And I, f- I come to find out it's, it's the acid in, uh, and it's the vinegar in the, um, in the mustard that will actually pull that cramp out and you know, put what in your system, through the skin, what you need to get right away now it doesn't last very long but and it turns your calf yellow but it, it does work in in a pinch <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was funny um cool. okay now this is this is something that uh i had okay so I, at the last meet i'm getting i'm getting ready to like I'm, I'm actually like starting to poach a a platform right and i'm standing there on the wall and this old guy older guy comes up and sticks next to me and he's like hey He's like, You lifting today? I was like, Yeah, I'm lifting. And he goes, Cool, man. What do you squat? And I told him. And he goes, You wear belts and wraps. <laughs> I was like, I looked at him, I go, I'm an old man. I do. I go, I just, I just do. I always have. And he goes, I never did. <laughs> and like just walked away from me. It was one of the most <laughs> epic moments alive. And I was like, where's somebody recording this when I need it? So and I've heard you, I've heard you talking about this before too and like so what what's the whole deal with that is it like a is it like I'm studlier than you or or I mean is it what what do you, what do you think about that
1: Okay this is a kind of a fun topic because there if you know how to use them for especially for squatting you can do wondrous things Right Uh when I was coaching a couple years ago there was this kid i think his name was justin he was like he was like a 185 pounds maybe 195 squatter and he he probably weighed about 150 pounds and he's like my goal is the sunday squat 225 okay i was like all right and it was a one rep squat day and i watched him and he he hit that 185 and i think he hit the 195 right then and i go you want to do it today and he goes. I can't do that today. And I was like, I can get you there today. Nice. You just need to trust me and it's not going to be comfortable. So he'd never yep. worn a belt and he'd never worn knee wraps. Hmm. So my rule of thumb was I do have some of those super thick knee wraps, yep. like the, the, the power lifter style. Yep. And I always told myself, I, I don't know where they are anymore because I, I never wear them. I think I gave them to someone who had a knee problem. Right. Um, I couldn't wear those unless I was going for a PR attempt. That was like the rule. So I had him sit down. Uh, I put a, a leather belt on him, like a real belt, not one of those Velcro curly belts. Uh, <laughs> sorry, everybody.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, you, you make a good point. We'll have to hit on that <laughs> one. So
1: I taught him how to breathe into the belt, and I, I had him sit down with the belt, and I was just teaching him how to use that.
0: Nice.
1: And then I said, okay, this is, this is going to hurt. And when I'm done with it, you're going to stand up and you're going to walk over there. And within 10 <laughs> seconds, you need to be squatting. And there you go. So I, I took these knee wraps and we loaded 225 pounds under the bar. So he went from roughly 195 to 225. Solid. I yep. stretched them that 100%. There's no additional elasticity left in those <laughs> knee wraps. He was like complaining that he couldn't feel his feet. I wrapped him as fast as I could. He walked over and he could have hit it for two to three reps if Knife. he wanted to, but he was so excited. He hit that <laughs> rep and it looked like a joke. He right. threw it over his head. <laughs> he threw it over his head to show that like, and he just bounced out of the bottom. I don't think if he didn't have weight, he could have hit parallel. Yeah. That's how, so, so my opinion on wraps is what are you doing it for? And how are you using them? Okay. So I generally, my knees have been kind of giving me more and more issues the older I'm getting and the heavier I'm lifting. Mm -hmm. I don't like to wear them if I don't feel that I need to. And generally, like if I'm especially snatching, I'll generally put one on my left knee. And then about 15 to 20 reps in, maybe if I'm around 80, 85%, I'll take it off because I don't need it anymore everything feels like it's warmed up and it's good to go. Nice. So it's more, much more being used for making my body feel better than I'm not, I'm not strapped or strapping up. I'm not wrapping up one knee and then like using that to bounce out of the hole on a a snatch. Right. Um, so I try to not wear them as long as I can. And then I I feel like you're going to strengthen your body more. Yeah. Uh, but I've also been lifting for about a decade, and I've always had that mindset of personally. I don't think you should be. I don't think anyone should be snatching in a belt if they're not snatching close to 100 kilos of body weight. Right. So
0: I'm with you on that. When
1: I look at like uh, Harrison Morris or some of those kind mm-hmm. of lifters and they're wearing a belt, I'm like. They're basically children-sized people, humans, <laughs> right. and they're snatching well over double body weight. Yes. Uh, like he snatched 160 at, what, eighty-one. Yeah, it was crazy.
0: <laughs> crazy.
1: So well, uh, that that kind of thing, I think, is okay. And Lash is okay because he's really fat and he needs to get his stomach out of the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if, uh, if you have heard or seen him in, at the last, I think it was a European – championships but like they're all everybody's talking about how he looked even bigger than he's looked before and how like winded he was it was interesting um you know for me okay um been an athlete all my life i was a linebacker running back in high school college football all that stuff runner um crossfit i've never had knee problems okay knock on wood never had a knee surgery nothing like that once i got into weightlifting um I first started using knee wraps to keep more tension in my knees. Um, I have pretty good mobility and I can get really deep, but I wanted to have more tension so they couldn't bend as easy. And so that's when I first started using them, which is interesting. Like I was like, I didn't need them, but I started using them. Now (laughs) it's a whole thing. (laughs) Because I'm like, this is part of my uniform. And so I wrap up when I'm getting ready for the empty bar. And I think it's more of a mindset for me of like, I got my shoes. I got my wraps on. You know, I got my thumb tape if I need it. And uh, wrist wraps for at the point where they need it. And it just, it's like that checklist of a mental mind game for me of like, okay, I'm ready to go step on the platform. You don't need anything else. And then I don't take them off till the very end. And my knees always feel pretty good. Um, but I think you made a good point with like, the older you get, I think you just need to think about that. But like, I used to work out with a guy that swore against them, And he swore against them because he said it would strengthen the tendons around uh, the knee or the, you know, on the back, which would help you lift better. And like you were just saying, so you wouldn't need them. I think there's a point where everybody needs them. I guess is what I'm trying to say.
1: Sure, I I've been at gyms where they have said like people are having back problems, or back pain. They're like, oh, throw a belt on. It's like, well, that's the worst reason to do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, fix your technique. Mm-hmm. Like, there comes a point where it's almost a safety thing. Yeah. But what I really don't like is when people forget their belt, forget their knee wraps, forget mm. stuff, and they're like, I can't lift today when they no. get to the gym. No, uh, I. And that's one of the reasons why I really don't like snatching in a belt because your body should not really be in any position that that belt really should help. Correct. Like, if anything, you can breathe into a little bit on the pull, but the snatch is not heavy compared to what you're capable of. And you're in that position such a short amount of time. I don't, you're going to have more issues hitting your belt buckle or hitting the Velcro. If you're keeping it close, then it's actually going to help you in my opinion, except for I have one friend, uh, Matt Blankership. Yep. I asked him when I was at his gym in Tennessee, and I said, why do you wear a belt? And he says, I have a hernia. My belly button will pop out. And I go, you got it. You wear that belt.
0: (laughs) Unless she wants to do like a, you know, just a card trick show and just be like, here, you guys want to see my belly button pop out? But no, that probably wouldn't feel very good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, I thought with him, you were going to say socks because he rolls, he rolls that bar right into him and and goes. And And he wears
1: shin guards too.
0: He is, he is a, uh, I love watching him lift because he is so damn quick. And the way he rolls that bar into him, it's just, it looks like he's just going to like, just dent his his shins and I'm every time I'm like, this guy is awesome. I have yet to meet him, but he's I mean he lifts in the masters, all the masters of divisions and all that. Uh, he's a good dude though, um, from what I hear. Um okay. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta bring it up. Leather belt versus uh Velcro. Go. <laughs> a leather belt's a
1: man's belt. A velcro belt
0: ding.
1: Is for children and women. Yes. No offense, I know that I I don't know if I can call people women without knowing them anymore. <laughs> the world is a crazy place, but people, <sighs> you are never going to have a leather belt. Okay, I I want to say this with hundred percent certainty, but yeah. I'm sure it's happened. Okay, a leather belt's never going to fail you. Yeah. How many people have said – I, or have you seen or have it happened to you where they pull a clean or they hit the bottom of a squat and their Velcro belt pops open?
0: I've seen it firsthand. It's...
1: <sighs> I've had it happen to me. I've seen it. Yep. And then what's more distracting and terrifying, not to mention if that belt falls off you on competition and touches the platform, it's a no lift. If you're catching a maximal effort clean, and then all of a sudden your belt pops off on your way up, Yep. you're you're not thinking about that, jerk. You're thinking like, oh no, I just lost my belt. I can't make this.
0: Well, and the rule so, is once your equipment hits the ground, it's a no lift, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. yeah. If anything touches the the ground uh, or touches the platform, it's considered a no lift in competition.
0: Yeah. I mean, not to mention the the, the, what's going through your head when you're about to put that over your head. So, dude, I I couldn't agree more. I know that there's some great people out there that that are great lifters out there that use the you know the Velcro, the two pood or whatever you want to call it, but it's you go out, go to Onyx, get yourself a real leather belt. It's gonna take a sec to work in. But the beautiful thing about it, and this is something I really like about your belt specifically, is mm-hmm. it is built to you. No one else, I mean, you could give that to someone and say, here, put this on, do this squat, cool. But that belt, it has formed to the way you wear it. It sits exactly where you want it. And I can tell you from somebody who has worn a Velcro belt, it's like always like adjusting it, like, okay, I, this is how tight, no. Yep with my leather belt, I know exactly what hole to put it in for exactly what lift. I know exactly where it's going to sit, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. I I will. Sorry. No, that (laughs) that was awesome. The the one
1: time that I will say, and this goes along with my kind of controversial opinion on on leather belts for women and children. (laughs) uh, If you are a very skinny man, like if you don't have any stomach, if, if you have that the rippling six pack, yeah. then maybe a leather belt does fit you better. But I my belt, it's an Onyx belt, it's tapered in the front, it's maybe two inches in the front, four inches in the back. Oh. And it fits perfectly on my stomach. Like I don't have a rippling six-pack, but I I'm not also I don't have a big deer gut. Yeah. And it fits perfect. And if I wear a 2 or a whatever those other – or like a Velcro belt, it's four inches all the way around. So then I feel much more suffocated and in there. And also they stretch. So it's like you kind of got to get it tighter. And then when you hit the bottom of a clean or of a squat, then it's going to stretch out a little bit. The leather one, when you put it on, it's actually the loosest it's going to be because as you squat down, your body expands and then it tightens on you.
0: Yep. And, you know, it's all about the bracing and I just, my mind was blown the second I made the switch. At first I was like, oh, this is, this is like weird and stiff, but I'll tell you, there's nothing I ever want. I mean, if I want something buried with me, it's probably one of the things is going to be my leather belt (laughs) because that's how, that's how like attached I am to it all of a sudden. Um, Not that I'm using it. I mean, I, I use it at a certain point in my lifts, but I will say that this thing is like it's just it's like a good pair of lifters, right? It, it, you have a special bond with your lifters. I have a special bond with my belts. <laughs> it sounds so stupid to say, but it, it, it's the truth. It's the truth.
1: I don't know. I feel like I have a hair. I have a harem of lifters.
0: of yeah, concubines. You do.
1: Got like fifteen <laughs> pairs. Yeah. But I, I do have my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I. Uh, uh, yeah. The, the other thing is. Uh, a leather belt doesn't have to be expensive. Like I would hundred percent guarantee or uh, sell people on the Onyx belt. I have no affiliation other than I know Danny pretty well. Right. And I've been using his products for a long time. Yeah. It's, it's not a cheap belt. It's $279. Mm-hmm. If you want to use a code? I can give you a code. Just ask me. It's not my code, but I have friends with codes. Nice. Um, if you want to try it out or if you want to try a leather belt, get the hook grip belt. It'll last you a couple years. It's yep. 70 bucks. Oh,
0: really? it's, just,
1: it's probably the same price as one of the, the, the Velcro belts. And that's a great entry level belt. It's a little bit thinner. It's definitely cheaper made. Right. Uh, but if you get yourself an onyx belt, uh, I have a Wallace as well. The Wallace I retired when I did worlds. Yep. Um, all of my teammates and everybody that got me through to that point had signed that belt, and I was like, "All right, it's time to put this one away and start a new chapter and I got the uh the onyx belt, yeah, and that belt I had for i think I got it right before my first master's nationals, nice. and then I wore it through my winning worlds
0: yeah that's so, that's a really cool belt, just to see all the signatures on it. I thought that was a really neat idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, th- this is going to be obviously a controversy to the end of day because you got to have, um, you know, companies just trying to make quick buck, putting a, a cheap belt out there. But um, I, I am here to tell you guys that that the leather belt is the way to go. It's Like like Cornell said, it's, it's going to last you forever. It is not going to break. I promise you that um, as much as I can promise you that. And by no means are we uh, are we sponsored by any means of Bionics, but I just that's what I use, and so that's what I can talk about, and that's that's just kind of what that is. So, all right, buddy, we're coming up on time. That that flew by. That was like yeah. forty five minutes that's real there, real fast, real fast. So, um, good show, dude.
1: <laughs> this is
0: this is a, yeah. this is show I got, two. I got
1: I got a quick like, I have about two more minutes right here. Yeah, go for it. When do, when. Let's just say in competition because competition is more important than training. When when do you put your belt on?
0: Uh, okay. Obviously, I do not do it in the snatch at all. So um, I put my belt on in the on the warm up when I am going for my one hundred and twenty attempt. From one hundred and twenty and up, I'm wearing okay. a belt.
1: And what? How many general? You're opening at what one one
0: thirty five thirty five? Yeah. So So you'd go 20, I go, I'll go 20, 25, 30. And depending on how 30, if 30 was like butter, I'm just going to go out and hit that lift. But if like 30 was like, if 30 was like, okay, that felt weird. I'll go 32 just to play it safe. And just to end my last, I like my last attempt to just be like snappy and just like, bam. And that way, you know, you have the confidence of walking out there and doing it. I don't mind the five kilo jump okay. either so yeah
1: yeah now I like to put it on my, generally my last warm-up probably the one before last warm-up so like same basically same for you yeah what I don't want to do and I'd never recommend is changing anything between your last warm-up and your first attempt Ugh. because then all of a sudden you have you have a, it's a different lift it's, yep you're gonna brace different everything's gonna be. A smidge different, and you want it to be the same. So when you're warming up, the whole purpose of warming up is warming up, right? So right. make the last warm up exactly how it's going to be on the
0: competition. I I totally yeah. agree with that, and I'll say that when I did have a Velcro belt, it would always go on at 110 because I had to constantly adjust it. I had to like constantly mm-hmm. like tighten it up, and and like I'm like, God damn, this thing's coming loose. But w- with that leather belt, it's like. Bam! I don't need to do anything, so it's it, yeah, it's one to two attempts with it on, and it's we're ready to go. That that's some, I mean, that's gold right there. Because I think, yeah, <laughs> I think people are putting that thing on a little early. Just gonna say, <laughs> um, I agree. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you you don't want anything to come in the way of, you know, your final warm up to your your opening attempt because that opening attempt is nervous and not like you just got enough nerves going anyways why make it harder exactly i like it dude that's great great stuff um all right man well we uh we're up on time great show cornell always yep. good talking to you buddy um and we'll be back next week uh the athlete and the chef and uh see y'all later have a good night